0: Welcome to Doing CX Right, a podcast where we discuss how to differentiate brands by doing customer experience right. I'm your host, Stacey Sherman, an author, award-winning keynote speaker, and mentor passionate to help you humanize business and improve experiences to achieve real results. Today's episode is with one of my most favorite customer experience specialists, Ian Golding. He's a teacher, business author, speaker, who has tremendous knowledge about customer journey management. During this episode, we dive deep into what makes people happy: customers and employees. It may sound cliché, but there's a right way to maximize happiness by applying three principles to gain brand advocates who tell others about your company to buy from you and who will want to work for you. I'm confident that you will love this show as Ian touches my heart and will wow you too. By the way, it means a lot if you'd share this podcast with others and subscribe to get updates. Now let's get on with the show. Welcome, Ian Golding. I am so happy to have you on my show.
1: Well, it is such a pleasure to be able to be here with you, obviously not not physically, but virtually. Um, Thank you so much for having me, Stacey.
0: Yes, and it's amazing. We've never met in person, but we've spoken so much that it goes to show that human connection is so powerful that even over the years, it links people. And that's what customer experience is all about.
1: 100%. Well, well, I used to do it the old-fashioned way, and fly to see people, um, which I I did a lot prior to March last year, but you know just just to reinforce what you've said, the last eighteen months I, I've I've actually worked in more countries than ever before. Um, it's it's made the world a smaller place. So even though I very much hope we we can you know have physical interaction again, at least in this technologically driven world, we're able to to connect more easily than ever before.
0: Yes, when there's a will, there is a way for sure. So, Ian, who are you? Yeah, who are you and what do you do professionally? I imagine most of the world knows you already, but just in case, I like to say, tell the world who you are.
1: So I am what I describe as a global customer experience specialist those who've heard me speak before know that I'm very pedantic about using the word specialist because I, I'm not a fan of the word expert. It sort of gives the impression that I know everything and I don't think anyone ever will. A specialist never stops learning, which is, you know, that's, that's very much my mantra. And I, for the last 25 years, have been helping organizations, whether they wanted me to or not, to understand how being customer centric can drive sustainable growth. 17 years in corporate, for the last nine and a half years out on my own, um, helping organizations in more than 50 countries in almost every industry you can imagine.
0: You do provide a lot of wow moments and I've seen it in action. So again, I am privileged to have you on my show. And I love how you said specialist versus expert. It goes to show that we do need to be impeccable with our words, thanks to the four agreements. For those who haven't read, you must read that book. But specialist is, is true. No one knows everything. And I also have a word I use that's different than others as well, which is I don't say I'm a coach, I'm a mentor. And it has Mm. the same, it's just human. It's like helping each other where coaching is certainly supporting people, but it has a more monetary feel. And that's not what CX is about.
1: I agree. Language is so important. You know, our role or the role of a customer experience professional is, you know, it's very much a diplomatic role. You know, there is a huge amount of influencing that's required to change the way people think and behave. And so you've got to be very careful in the way you go about doing that. In the very early stages of my career, I was in process improvement. And, you know, it was no different. If you if you need to improve a process, you can't go in and tell everyone that, that what they're doing is terrible. We've got to change. Yes. You know it, it's you've got to allow people to understand for themselves that there is an opportunity to be better than we are today. And that that's why I think diplomacy is is one of the, there are more, but one of the unstated competencies I think of a customer experience professional.
0: I agree. And I do want to clarify when I said before about money and profit, obviously, business which most of my listeners are in business, you're in business to make money. But what you and I are talking about is humanizing business and bringing a world where there's empathy and caring and so much more because then the money does come and the customers come and they tell others.
1: That's right. It's all about sustainable growth. You know, and by by doing this in a way that we are thinking and acting in the interests of people, both employees and customers, then we can enable an organisation to put itself in a position to drive sustainable growth. that That's the key. If we focus on the money first, potentially we will do things and make decisions that actually are detrimental to both the employee and the customer. And as a result, we might make money in the short term, but we will not see that sustainable growth we're looking for.
0: So let's dive into customer journey management. What does that mean? Because you speak a lot about it.
1: Uh, I do. And some people may well be bored of hearing me ramble on about it continuously. But um, I, I do because, as I'll explain in a moment, Whilst customer experience has been around for a long time, I say a long time, this year is the 10th anniversary of the formation of the Customer Experience Professionals Association. 10 years is a long time, but in the relative scheme of things, it isn't. But despite that fact, there are so many organizations and individuals who are utilizing elements of competencies required to become sustainably customer-centric. But they're not connecting them together. And that failure to connect things together means that whilst there's lots of stuff happening, leaders of organizations aren't seeing any measurable, demonstrable change. And if they don't see any measurable, demonstrable change, then they start to question well, you know, well, customer experience doesn't make a difference. So, customer journey management is something I started to. Preach about, and I use the word preach intentionally three years ago now. And partly because I was seeing such an obsession with one particular competency, the competency of journey mapping. But it was to the point that there was an obsession about it. And there is still an obsession about customer journey mapping. And businesses were mapping journeys until they're literally coming out of their ears but they didn't seem to know what to do with them. And so what I wanted people to understand is that customer journey mapping is very important, but it's very important as one step in a series of interconnected activities. And if you don't understand all of those interconnected activities, then don't bother mapping the journey in the first place. And the interconnected activities are as follows. Do we know who the customer is in the first place? Because people need to recognize that a customer journey is called a customer journey for a reason, because it's a customer journey. But because of this obsession with mapping journeys, people are not mapping customer journeys now. They're mapping channel journeys, product journeys, You know, from the perspective, again, of the business, not the perspective of the customer, And as I will always say, if a customer can interact across channels and across products, you know, you need to map that omni-channel, omni-product journey. Otherwise, you misinterpret how they interact. So when you know who the customer is, then you can visualize the journey. But then you need to measure the journey because customer experience is a fact-based methodology. And what we need to understand is what's in that journey is working and what isn't working. And we need facts to help us understand where are the small number of priorities having the greatest negative effect on customer perception and as a result, financial performance. And when we know what those priorities are, the final step in this cycle of interconnected activities is you've got to fix the priorities. And when you fix them, you go back around the cycle all over again, all over again, forever. What I'm describing Most people will probably listen to this thinking, yeah, that makes sense. But is your organization doing it? Because sadly, from what I'm seeing around the world, very few are connecting those activities together.
0: Very well said. And doing it is what we're all about. Doing CX right, not just talking about it. So your explanation is exactly really good. And just to overlay that, I share in common the belief with you and I and I add in what I say is my heart and science framework because we have to get to how do customers think, perceive and feel about your brand and marry it all. So we have a very similar approach to a massive important topic.
1: As you've heard me say before, Stacey, you are you and I are sort of separated at birth with the male-female versions of each other. Um, and it, it, you're absolutely right, because underpinning all of that is the principle of empathy, which, in my opinion, is the most important principle of all in that um, this field of customer experience. And that has a direct connection with the ability of people to think and act in the interests of the customer. And if you can't create that cultural mindset, even that customer journey management cycle will be limited in its ability to drive change.
0: You write a lot about what makes customers happy. Let's talk about that because it sounds so lovely, (laughs) but how do you do that?
1: What are some of the components to do that. So it's a it's a brilliant question. And it was always something that I was very interested in understanding the answer. And early on in my independent career, I I, I became myself obsessed with writing about this subject. And I wrote a huge number of articles and blogs and various other things. And it was around 2015 that I thought, you know what? I really need to find the answer to what is it that makes customers happy? So I decided to do some research of my own, never having done that kind of thing before, but really because I was nosy, I wanted to know the answer. Um, but also I wanted to inform my writing. So I reached out to a global audience and asked two questions. Who do you think is the most customer-centric organization in the world? And why do you think they're the most customer-centric? And I always say to people, who they said is irrelevant. Okay, that was was interesting, but not as interesting as why. Why did people think that these were the most customer-centric organizations in the world? And my research came out with a list of attributes, essentially. But what really fascinated me was the very first one, in terms of the volume of respondents that said this, and it was corporate attitude. And still to this day, you know, I, I question should I repeat the research and see if it's changed? But, you know, corporate attitude basically meant what people were saying to me is that we know when a company genuinely, sincerely cares about their customer, but we also know when a company couldn't care less. And, Unfortunately, far too often we're having interactions with organisations where we know they don't care. You know, my telco provider, my bank. You know, I know they don't care about me. But part of the problem is is I know that their competitors don't really care about their customers either. Um, but this is why we're seeing disruptors starting to come into the market. I say starting over the last few years, because if they can demonstrate that they actually do care, that's what starts to tap into our emotions. But What was then interesting in my research is that the next three, easy to do business with, attitude of their people, helpful when I have a problem, it was all about human interaction. And I will often say that two, three, and four were almost like a subset of one. The thing that is most likely to define the culture of an organization is the way people make the customer feel. That's what my research told me. Product or service was only number six on the list. You know, that's not what makes an organization customer centric. That's not that's not what makes people happy. It's almost a given to a degree. E- even technical knowledge was quite low down the list. And I think in this world of increasing focus on digitization, for many of the right reasons, you know, There are far too many who are adopting digital for many of the wrong reasons. The wrong reasons being, oh, digital can eliminate human interaction. We will need less people. You know, that's great. But if they fail to understand that if you eliminate people, you're eliminating the very thing that your customers will remember about their experience. So, you know, you've got to be very conscious of that if you're going to throw technology at the experience just to cut cost.
0: Incredibly said, and I encourage people to replay this because you probably missed some really golden points that have to be remembered and applied. Now, you talked about employees, and what's the most meaningful leadership example that you've seen or have been given in terms of advice?
1: Hmm. It's a very good, um, very good question. In my opinion, again, I always caveat everything I say, it's my opinion, because we all have an opinion. Employee experience is something that the most customer-centric organizations in the world have always been aware of. But again, it's only really in the last three years or so, maybe even less that there's been a growing recognition of that inextricable link between EX and CX. So there are still many organizations, actually, who don't get it and are treating their people in the way that they that, uh, they wouldn't treat their customer. And hmm. they're expecting their people to then, you know, deliver a great experience to the customer. So there, there is a growing need for EX to continue rising up in prominence and aligning it with cx now the pandemic to a degree has helped because i think it, it, even if it's only a, a you know 5% of businesses around the world many have realized that we can't do this without our people so that that's good but there is still a very long way to go and leadership is a lot of people say to me is it absolutely essential that leaders get this you know if we're going to be able to transform And I'll always say, well, it's not essential. It can happen without leadership, but it is very, very difficult if that's the case. And there are a number of leadership attributes that I believe leaders need to consciously remind themselves of the role they play in doing all of this. I won't go through all of them now, but one of them is never stop learning, okay? Which uh, I always like to tell people because... Unfortunately, there are too many people in leadership positions who think they know it all already. Um, and I'm being very direct here. Um, that The reason I say it is that I've shared knowledge with over 20,000 people in the last nine and a half years. And on all of the training courses I've delivered in over 50 countries around the world, less than 2% of them have represented the C-suite or equivalent. Hmm. You know, and I think that's quite a fascinating fact. You know, because that sort of suggests to me that they either know it all already or they don't care. But why do they not come? You know, why do they not need to know this? And so I do meet a lot of leadership teams that they get the theory, but they don't understand the practical application because no one's ever told them. You know, I'm the course director for customer experience for the Chartered Institute of Marketing. You know, I get some really senior marketers come up. they, they They don't know. This stuff so never stop learning is one but the the best example i can give is uh, i think what leaders need to recognize is that they must be prepared to put themselves in front of their people and their customers they should in my opinion be interacting with customers every day but you and i know stacy that there are many leaders that you know that they'll they'd rather walk over hot coals than be put in front of a Customer, you know, and they'll do whatever they can to avoid it. So I'll always tell the story of the UK CEO of Pizza Hut, um, who is a a guy called Jens Hoffmer. He's been the CEO of Pizza Hut restaurants in the UK for about 10 years. On day one, there's a longer story, but I'll paraphrase. He made the decision to start his career working as a server, a waiter in Mm. one of their restaurants because he wanted to know. What does it feel like to be an employee? What does it feel like to be a customer? And to this day, one day every month, he works as a waiter in one of their restaurants. He puts on the uniform and works alongside his people, and he's the CEO. And I'll always say to people, you know, I'm not necessarily suggesting your CEO should do the same, but maybe they should, you know, because how many would be prepared to do the same thing?
0: Love that story. I am a huge advocate of leaders walking the floors, spending time with employees at every level, doing the job maybe for a day. I'll do that. Where I work, I love those days where I'll go out with a technician and ride along and and see what it's like in their shoes. It's so meaningful Absolutely. and you can't learn it in a book you have to just do it and empathize it's and impossible. support yes
1: it's you so know, I, I um I, I i once worked with a vehicle hire company and again i was trying to this was as a as a consultant not as an employee but i was trying to get a sense of you know again what does it feel like to to do all of this and i went to one of their depots and I said to the depot manager, "Do you mind if I clean a vehicle and the The guy looked at me as if I was completely mad. He said, "What do you want to do that for i said well i I, I want to know what the people who clean the vehicles do, and every depot had one person whose job it was to get the vehicles ready to rehire and so I went up to this guy and said, "Can I clean a vehicle?" Again he looked at me like I had five heads and he said oh, okay and it took me over an hour to clean this vehicle. Now, it was a commercial vehicle hire company. So, this vehicle that I had to clean had been used by a construction company. So, it wasn't that simple, you know, it wasn't just sort of hose it down and, you know, do it with a. I had to get cement off the inside of the back of the van. And so, by the time I finished cleaning it, I was quite tired. And the guy said, You haven't finished yet. I said, What do you mean you haven't? I haven't finished yet. He said, Well, now you've got to check the tire pressure. You've got to check the water. You've got to check the oil. And it just didn't occur to me that he's got to do all of that as well. And, you know, if he doesn't do his job properly, someone could die. Now, I'm being a bit extreme, but it's true. So I said to him after I cleaned it, How many vehicles do you have to clean a day? He said, 15. I said, Is that possible? He said, No. I said, Well, why is it 15? He said, well, I guess someone in head office decided that was the right number. And I said, well, what happens if you don't clean 15 vehicles? He said, I get penalized. You know, and this is the point. You know, there are decisions being made every day by people who do not know what it feels like, what it feels like to be a customer or an employee. That story
0: reminds me how the important lesson of quality over speed. You can't sacrifice quality, and it can't just be a quota. I mean, that happens in call centers. You have to finish a certain number of calls, Absolutely. get off the phone quickly. But what about the quality of the call and the conversations that you miss? Oh, this is a, this could be an hour conversation in itself. <laughs> <laughs> really important. I have a question for you. Oh. Before I do that, I actually, you did bring up a point that I want to emphasize around employee experience and leadership. Not only is it to walk in your employee's shoes, as you described, but also as leaders and the president of where I work does this, will pick up the phone and call employees and say, thank you. and. So my yeah, team yeah. does customer surveys and feedback and we will especially when a customer mentions an employee by name we will make sure we make a big deal of that and and many times it will get to the president so that he or other leaders of the organization can can pick up the phone and say what a great job you did so i encourage listeners wherever you work to also
1: pick up the phone. I, I totally agree with you, I, I There is a principle that I teach that is the principle of the employee hero because you cannot deliver experiences without your people. They're the real heroes who bring the experience to life every day. And the reason I use the word hero is because most employees do a lot more than is written into their job description. <laughs> you know, and, and but that's what often gets missed. You know, it doesn't get recognized, acknowledged, or celebrated. And it's not uncommon for you to have in any industry, in any organization, employees who will will complain about, you know, salary, remuneration, reward, it's not enough. I find that where employees are complaining about remuneration, it's because there's nothing else. You know, there is nothing else. This is not all about money. People need feedback, they need communication, and they need to be told, do you know what? You are valuable to us. You're doing a great job. And that, it goes such a long way. So I completely agree with you. Do you think
0: it's going to change as we're seeing a trend of chief experience officers, CXOs now being hired into many companies? And I love that. What's your view on this
1: this trend? I'm pleased in principle, but it depends. So I don't want to sound as though I'm being too negative, but it depends on who are the individuals that they're putting into those roles. Um, and do those individuals really understand and um, exactly what the role of a chief experience officer should be? Are they prepared to be the irritant that is often required to change the way the company thinks and behaves. Again, I, I don't want to sound too negative, but people like you and me, Stacey, and you, I hope you don't mind me saying that, are able to change the way people think, but very often it doesn't necessarily mean we're incredibly popular, you know, because mm-hmm. we have to be able to do things that go against the norm, you know, we're we're not just agreeing with everything we're being told. You know, we we are working for the benefit of the organisation, and that's hard. You know that that's we our profession pushes water uphill a lot of the time, and you know when you suddenly realise that actually most people like us are not at the top table. You know, we're 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 not No, no, no. We don't need something like that to suddenly put that on the top table there is so much reliance on the personality of that individual, but also their sphere of responsibility. Are they really a chief experience officer or are they a a rebranded customer service officer? Um, And they still have responsibility for the customer service team, you know, and so actually really that it's just, again, this happens far too often. And if that is the case, the confusion will continue to reign and will that individual have the ability to change the way others think when they will have the potential to point the finger back at them saying, well, your customer service team doesn't do that. So that there are lots of caveats. So in principle, I'm supportive, but.
0: <laughs> yes, and you are hitting spots in my heart because it is hard to be that champion. It is hard to be the change agent. And at the same time, I'm not giving up. And I believe like you and others that you need someone at the executive table who is the advocate of the customer in every single business decision. And it has to be that way. So as finance, HR, legal, customer service, marketing, as everyone is making decisions, there's gotta be that person that says, Yeah, but how does this affect the customer? Not from just process and not just from revenue. Cause again, we agree that will come if you're doing it right. So I hope that companies are listening and that they do hire right. They do put customer experience, specialists, as you say it, leaders, champions, give it whatever name you want. CXO sounds lovely. Call it whatever you want, but it's got to be at the table.
1: Yeah, I I agree. And this is why I also think it's important for business leaders to realize that this is not about status or image or job title. For, for the, the best customer experience professionals in the world, you know, that that's if, if that's their motivation, they're, they're not the person you need in that position. You know, because to be able to do what we do effectively, we've got to put all of that to the side, you know, because it can only work if our motivation is entirely about the organization. The benefit to us comes later. You know, it's not... It, that, that is not what drives it. And, but finding people like that is not that easy. Um, and, and that's why, you know, genuinely, the best CX professionals in the world usually are in role. You know, I, 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 there are brilliant consultants out there, but, you know, the best ones are in role because they are on the ground making this happen. And those are the people, if you can grab them, you're lucky. I'm not suggesting they should grab you, though, so I don't want to get in trouble with your employer.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but you know what? You're reinforcing something I don't think about, and that is how hard the job is. You know, I just do it. I don't think about how hard it is, but you're right. It is. It is going against gravity, and it's about having resilience. And so people out there doing the work like me, and there's so many of us just keep going. It a movement is happening. It's,
1: it's the other unstated competency, in and that is resilience, courage, passion. You know, we've got to keep going, whatever's thrown at us. And you know, I, I spent 17 years on the inside, and for 17 years, people didn't want to listen to me. You know, it, it's it's almost like who is this guy? You know, and. and it's really tough. You know, I was patronized. I was belittled. I was talked down to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, you get to the point where you start to question, am I going mad? You know, is it is it just me? Am I wrong? You know, and, it, and it's, it's really hard. And I, I've shared this with people, you know, over the last nine and a half years I've been independent because when you become independent, you know, it, it, it's a bizarre feeling because suddenly people are asking you to help them. You know, and and it's, but it's very different when you're on the inside. And so uh, I'm, uh, this is why I spend a lot of my time talking to people and supporting people. And as you say, mentoring them, because we need reassurance. You know, when you're on the inside, this is really hard and you need to know that that's right. It's okay. You know, keep going. You got to keep going. And this is why being a customer experience professional is not for everyone, because if you're not prepared to do that, that this is not the career for you but if you if you've got that strength of belief and you are you know well you've got one of the biggest hearts on sleeves that I've ever seen stacy if you've got that heart on your sleeve you you are the perfect person for this but it does mean that you know you need the community to support you and keep reassuring you so you can keep going
0: well wow. Really powerful what you just said. I'm going to be thinking about this conversation way after this is over. So final two questions. One is professional, one's personal. So professionally, if I had many CEOs and leaders in my room, this is a common question I ask. I want to know your answer. What is the one thing you want them to know?
1: The one takeaway. um, What I want leaders to know is the importance of empathy. The way you make people feel will determine whether or not they become advocates of what you're doing. And the other word for an advocate is a fan. (laughs) Fans become loyal. Loyal fans come back to you more often, spend more money, tell others about you. And if you can create that environment where they come back more often, tell others about you, you'll make more money. So, you know, you need to become, whether you like it or not, a more empathetic leader to create an empathetic organization that will underpin everything else. So that's what I need leaders to understand, that empathy has a direct connection with making money.
0: I agree 100 and. Thousand <laughs> <1000%, laughs> percent, whatever number that is, the highest number, <laughs> I agree. Personal, <laughs> personal question now. If you, you know, age comes wisdom. So if you could go back and tell your younger self, let's say 20 year old Ian, what you know now that you didn't know then, what would it be? Oh,
1: that's a great question. Don't take things personally. Um, you know i i didn't realize back then that i believed in things you know because you don't you're not necessarily conscious of what you believe in and i didn't realize at the time that i just wanted to do what i thought was the right thing the right thing for the customer and the right thing for the company what i didn't realize is that a lot of people don't want to do the right thing you know, they they want to do what's right for them personally. You know that they, they don't care about anything else, and so I I spent a long time very confused. Um, I spent a long time thinking I was the only person who understood, and you know I questioned. You know what what why am I you know why am I never going anywhere? You know well, what's what's going on. So I, I would go back and tell that that younger Ian. Believe in what you believe in. Believe in you. And as long as you keep doing the right thing for the right reason, you got nothing to lose.
0: And I guess we also need to tell ourselves about resilience because back to what you said before, our job is hard. It is, it is hard. But when we believe so much in the experiences that the whole basis of what we do for a living, be resilient because it will work out and it will, the world will get it and they're starting to. And, and it's because of our voices and others. Yes. Yeah. So love you
1: guys. 100%,
0: 100%. Well, last thing about a. Uh, I want people to know about you is where can they find you cuz you have so much content which I'll put in the show notes.
1: <laughs> bragging moment. Well, some would say I'm a bit I'm a bit too visible, but um you, you you can always find me on LinkedIn. Um that's that's probably where I'm most vocal, but I um uh, you you People will see me speaking and talking of various things around the world. But LinkedIn, Twitter, I have a Facebook page as well. Um, And people, if you like reading, you can read my blog. I've got over 600 articles on on my blog. Um, But I also have my book, um, which you may or may not want to buy, which you can find on Amazon.
0: And I say, bye, bye, bye. <laughs> I'm going to put the <laughs> link to your Amazon because you just touched the surface here today. And so I am happy to tell the world about you and they're going to want more about you. So thank you for being here today. You are a gift to me and to others. And I appreciate
1: you. Oh, it's such a pleasure, Stacey. Thank you so much for having me. Um, and keep doing the brilliant things you're doing as well. Um, y- you are as much a gift as I am.
0: Thank you so much for joining today. I hope you will apply the lessons shared and also requesting if you would leave a review on Apple, it would mean a lot. Head over to doingcxright.com to learn more ways to connect with me and improve your CX. Until next time, I'm Stacey Sherman, Doing CX Right.